0: Welcome to the Recruitment Hackers Podcast, a show about innovations, technology, and leaders in the recruitment industry. Brought to you by TalkPush, the leading recruitment automation platform. Hello, welcome back to the Recruitment Hackers Podcast. I'm your host, Max Overstar, and today on the show, I'm delighted to welcome George Larocque, who is SVP of Insights for Unleashed. Welcome to the show, George.
1: Thanks, Max. Thanks for having me.
0: Pleasure. George and I met in the real world, in a real world event with real people you could touch and feel. Uh, well, you're not supposed to touch them, but that was in 2018, I think. And uh, back then Unleashed was, I think, the, the leading events company in, in HR and TA, TA Tech, or one of the leading ones anyway. I imagine you've had a pretty shocking year. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's to say the least. And I, I'm sure everybody who's receiving this podcast can it was not in agreement. Yeah, and to, when we met, I think I was partnering with Unleash and my relationship has, my involvement has increased over the last couple of years. So I actually jumped on board in the middle of this craziness as Unleash has moved the business to media, given that we, get, to your point, we can't get together. And physically any at the moment. All right. All right. And could you
0: tell us uh, for, for the audience a little bit about your bio, how you ended up being the voice of TA Tech for, for many listeners, Were you a practitioner initially?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've been in this market, it's just over 30 years now, which is crazy. I spent the first 10 as a practitioner. I was, came out of the staffing world, like many people make their transition. I moved from the agency side, where I was working in tech, just at the end of the 80s, early 90s, and then moved over 10 years, moved on to what would have been the client side and into on the employer side, then started a consulting firm, what would have been now called an RPO in the Boston area, focused on internet startups, and our customers were all involved customers what was called the monster board. We did all their hiring in the Boston area for sales three com a datacom company in the US back when that was at the beginning of like you know TCP IP and, and networking protocols. And did we did engineering for them. But through that I jumped onto the tech side. So I then I spent 10 years in HR technology and I was I was employee number 10 or 11 at a company called that turned into Brass Ring and took them through to 50 million. I had a couple of good runs and another one people might recognize. I ran global sales for Bullhorn through their first big VC round. Yep. And then I was a general manager at Telemetry, which, well, was higher desk and turned into Telemetry. Now they're part of Jobvite. And Ten years ago, I started in this advisory and analyst world. And that's what brings us, it's been a evolution up to date. And so that's where I am.
0: It sounds like you've had some pretty stressful jobs. And that's even though, you know, you're well prepared for 2020 for a stressful year. Because you were there and you say when Bullhorn leading sales, when Bullhorn was going through its rapid growth phase, you know, from, I guess from 10 to 100 10 to
1: 15 million. Yeah, that's about right. And you know, to go from you know zero customers at Brass Ring to 50 million in a few years, right? Yeah, it's and to then watch the bubble burst in 2000 and be right in the you know like sitting on the bubble when it burst <laughs> in the financial crisis of 2008. I, you know, nothing. I would say the thing that prepares you just in a general sense, stress, but it also prepares you for you get instincts for a down market you know that's the part that we've seen before but even that's different here it's spotty like your people are either drowning in you know overwhelmed with business or they can't find it and there's very little in, in between and so this is unusual but yeah I would say it didn't make me any more confident than the next person but I, I felt like I had some instincts to fall back on
0: yeah yeah yeah, I guess in March and April, I was trying to, yeah, some those memories from 2008 and, and because I, I was a business owner back then already. And I remember just the, the bad news just kept following each other. It was bad news after bad news after bad news after bad news. It was like six months straight, twelve months straight, you just never see the end of it. And, um, and so 2020, I think most people knew <laughs> back in March that okay, This is going to be a bad year, and it's going to stay with us for a while, and, you know, it's hard to know exactly if we're out of it yet, but let's teach you to be more conservative. But I'm sure people have had enough room for for this year. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: Think about those businesses that can't keep up with demand. You mentioned some companies are doing super well right now. What are they focused on?
1: I would say well, in the HR tech space, there are two types of companies that have done well. One would be those tech providers who were really exclusively marketing into really large enterprise and had an established brand, established product. The larger employers, have, while they may have furloughed or had a reduction in force, you know, within recruiting or HR, some percentage of their workforce, they've also invested in did some digital transformation. So we're seeing that, you know, and that's just a fancy way of saying they're upgrading their systems in some cases. And that's, so Here, we've seen s- the guy from the 80s. He's coming back. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> journey, Yep. Yeah, they've crossed the chasm. So it's, you know, you had, there was definitely a tapping of the brakes, you know, April, May, companies weren't buying software at that for a moment. And then I think as we moved into later in the spring, early summer of some of the vendors that that are in that segment had some of their best quarters, deals were accelerated or deals came back to life. The other type, even where you would expect, companies that were marketing into the SMB or middle market would have been hit hard. And that's true. If they were focused with customers, if they were lucky enough to have companies in industries that were, let's say, uh, grocery or uh, healthcare or logistics or tech, they did better than they should. There were some vendors who cut staff and then grew at a rate greater than they expected, and which is, you know, it's been such a difficult time for everyone. But yeah, and then, but a lot of folks that, a lot of vendors that either were really early stage, didn't have any momentum, maybe the product wasn't mature, point solution. There's some really tough tales to tell that, that come out of just bad timing for them. They weren't able to get out into the market and get that momentum to sustain. Free. You kind of have to be
0: past your that a certain level of maturity to survive a big crisis like this. You have to be passive years or a young teen, perhaps. And I don't mean like literally more than 12 years old. I mean like, you know, to a point where you, you know a solid base of customers. Have been yeah, absolutely. And we've seen in the industry a lot of consolidation. Like, I guess not everybody in my audience is going to geek out on TA Tech News and find out who gets bought by who but but that's your world and maybe you can tell us what are some of the mega trends we're seeing on my side i saw there's a lot of movement from companies that were doing video and then video used to be a category but i think now video is, is more of a feature that everybody has that was my, my main takeaway
1: yeah i'd agree with that there's yeah consolidation i think the reason i tell practitioners or leaders in talent acquisition they should watch both what's happening in investment and with consolidation is to have a sense of what's coming their way. So if you're looking uh, for the emerging technology, you get, I'm not even talking about the specific vendors, but you get a sense over the period of, you know, a few quarters as to where investments going on emerging tech, emerging solutions. It might not be emerging tech. It might not be that it's, you know, doesn't have the bells and whistles like something conversational, but you may see that, for example, right now, there's a lot going into analytics and process management around recruiting. You might see a lot going into, not a lot going into job boards anymore at the current moment or marketplaces, which surprisingly has led the category for years, you'd see a lot going into internal mobility and matching in those areas. So you get a sense of what's coming. At the same time, for consolidation, if you're using point solutions and platforms, you particularly get a sense of what those capabilities are at a platform level. So if you're using NATS, what moves are these vendors making? And if you're thinking about your tech stack in the next one, two, three years, I think it's a good indicator for trends and you need to solve the problems that you have and seize the opportunities that you need to seize and look for the cap. it's not one size fits all out there, but these are things that I think it's helpful in, yeah. in that way.
0: A lot of the practitioners, you know, they got into recruitment for the same reasons that you did probably, you know, to be on the sales side, uh, to be busy, to be dealing with people. And, you know, buying tech came as an add-on, not, not the main thing and uh, a bit of a chore, and I think last year people were still, they had, they had a little fun budget that they could spend on where they could try a few initiatives every year. And, and some of those uh, customers would sign up because they needed to show initiative. They needed to show, I'm going to try something different this year and it's, it looks good on your resume. And this year, maybe that's not so important anymore. It's more about doing more with less and asking more from your existing vendors.
1: Yeah. 100%. Another good reason to keep your eye on tech and what's happening in our market and outside of our market. You know, what's happening in the world of technology. And I'm not one to ever recommend that you would modify, let's say, a solution from outside of recruiting into recruiting that never goes well. It's never scales. But yeah, doing more with less is something that as I mentioned, you know there have been a lot of layoffs. There are fewer. There, there are probably fewer recruiters in, in any given company, and those recruiters are asked to do more. And having a sense of what's available to help accomplish that goal is a good thing. And it, it tends to look like I think companies are either forced to address the need to automate tasks and what would be administravia to get the recruiters and the leaders in TA focused, you know, where they need to be uh, with candidates, candidate engagement, working within the organization with managers, working the process, you know, they're forced to do it because they're doing more with less or they're taking that step back and, I think a lot of larger organizations that are investing in technology right now, it's its a way to justify some of the headcount that they're keeping. They're implementing these technologies, evaluating these technologies. But at the end of the day, it's the same goal, which is, you know, how do we get to where freeing up the recruiters, the operators to be on that process and driving that process and not drowning in it? Yeah. I, I'd say from, from my, our experience on our side that the volume of candidates and leads
0: processed per recruiter has tripled over the last six months. And obviously, you just can't do the same thing you did before. If you have three times the, the volume that you did before, you, you have yeah. to change a little bit the way you do things because um, you adapt to your environment. And uh, you were saying job boards are the big hits. I think no surprise there, and with the compounding effect of Facebook and Google driving also traffic, at least in the high volume space, the driving traffic to jobs uh, for free, really. Yeah, a lot of this traffic is free. I imagine 2021 is probably not going to be an amazing year for Indeed and Zip and those guys yet. Uh, there'll be some recovery, right? I, I saw that Sika has some recovery in Australia uh, in Q4. Um, but, look, I, I want to go back to you were telling us about the early so you're, you're not in Boston anymore, are you?
1: No, I'm in New Jersey. Like, like most people in New Jersey, I'm, you know, 40 minutes out of New York City. Yeah. Boston, for those who don't come from Boston, it's not unnecessarily
0: seen as a tech hub. but But I found out over the years that it was kind of the TA tech hub of the world, uh,
1: yeah.
0: 20 years ago, and I guess still today. Can you tell us about how that happened? Give us a little bit of TA tech history.
1: <laughs> sure. So it really, back in those days, you know, Silicon Valley was always the hub, right? It was always where it all sort of exploded. But there used to be maps that had, it was a map of the U.S., and it had Boston, and they shrunk the rest of the country, and then it had Silicon Valley. And you had your tech belt, it was the highways that went around, the two highways, 128 and 495 that went around Boston, and all the different tech shops that were either in, Cambridge was a hub for a lot of startups, MIT is in Cambridge, Harvard's in Cambridge, and then out toward the suburbs, you had a lot of larger campuses for tech shops. And there was a a couple of the larger employment advertising shops were out and and emerging shops, innovative shops were out of Boston. And I would say that the first one to really explode and drive traction around HR tech was Adion, which became the founder of Adion was Jeff Taylor, who started Monster. And so I was at that point, running that we called it a consulting shop we had about 60 people all around boston and we were dealing with some really some of the first e-commerce shops and i mentioned three common and others and jeff taylor would show up with a salesperson carol mccarthy was her name and they would offer us you know we partnered with them and we would bring free postings To our customers and we would argue with them at the time about you've got to be on the internet you've got to be on the web and they wouldn't it was a really fun time because we took employers to the web we created their career sites and we hooked them up with places like what was called the monster board back then and at that time, the ATS market was run by a couple of shops called Resumix and ResTrack. That market, they owned the large enterprise and larger middle market, on-premise software. And you had a Brass Ring, which came out of the Boston area. It grew out of a resume processing company. So... All the job fairs, all the resumes that that came into employers were on paper. And you had these systems like ResumeX and ResTrack and others. You would literally go through a factory process. They'd get scanned, optical character recognition, turned into data, uploaded in, total QC process. And then as the web was emerging or able to take applications to the web, that's where Brass Ring emerged and there were some other shops on the West Coast that emerged but didn't, you know, Taleo, which was RecruitSoft, came out of Canada and then uh, came down, I, I want to say, through Chicago to ultimately to Silicon Valley. But it was, yeah, the Boston area was teeming with, you know, early job boards, early recruitment technology that this was ninety seven, ninety eight 98 to, to 2000. Um, it it sounds like monster had a
0: a key role to play in
1: that they really did you know like any success story it was a combination of vision so they could see where the market was going and how this was going to evolve before really anybody was seeing it and timing they were there and hard work right and they had some good ideas now where they ended up going and we can That's a brand people love to hate on and that's fine, but they were a major player and they really helped create the space.
0: They got big and then other problems appeared, but um, I mean, at the time in the late 90s, they picked that weird brand, they called themselves Monster. Everybody had a much more corporate sounding name back then. The internet was was just getting started, all those dot coms. And I think they did it a little bit on purpose to say, you know, you're with us, the internet folks, or you're against us you're, you're part of the old guard and we don't need you as a customer there's a bit of a you know
1: yeah
0: a, baldness and the choice of brand
1: yeah we would do all their uh, sales hiring they were on the they the <laughs> their first office was the second floor over a chinese takeout restaurant and you know we'd go on site spend an hour a couple hours with them, with our the consultants we had there, you'd leave and you would just smell like Chinese food from being in the office. And then as it started to grow, I remember telling people that they would have to, you know, don't worry, they're expanding, they're going to have a facility, but there are two trailers in the parking lot for now. And the phone lights, just those, you know, these sorts of things that I'm sure there are people out there somewhere that worked in those trailers. Well, yeah. we put them there, so.
0: Yeah, yeah. And,
1: and so with the universities
0: and then maybe circumstance having you know this gentleman, Jeff Taylor, starting this company in Boston for no other reason than he was there. And then many of the alumni that moved on to start their own companies. And today, I think there are a number of companies that are there, um, including your old employer, uh, Warhorn, yep. uh, I think Fenom uh, People is uh, headquartered there, and, and a number of other companies. Smashfly as well in Boston?
1: Smashfly, yep. They were founded there. In fact, the original founder of Smashfly, Mike Hennessy, he was probably employee number three or four at, at Brass Ring. And so we worked closely together for several years. And yeah, there's, you know, like any of those shops. And there are still people that when I've, back in those days when we could go to events, Brass Ring is now part of IBM. And if I go by the IBM booth, I see old friends and they've really never left. They've just went from Brass Ring to Conexa to IBM. But we used to joke and say there are probably, you know, 300 people that are like in the industry, the core of the industry, and they just move around and a lot of other people sort of come and go. But there are a lot more than that now, I think.
0: That's true. You, you do see that and, and we hear that in your stories, that uh, these companies don't just die. They just merge and they move from one animal to the next, and this is a sort of a Darwinian experience, right? So to, to see how it evolves, and they changed names, and, well, this business was Hot Jobs. I forget. You know, Hot Jobs, do you remember that one?
1: Yeah, Hot Jobs was out of, were they? Hot Jobs got acquired by Yahoo. Oh, um, yes. And, you know, it was Yahoo Hot Jobs, and Dan Finnegan, who was the founder of Jobvite, I know was involved with Yahoo Hot Jobs. And I believe the founder of Avature was also came out of one of those groups. You know, early on, when you look at Brass Ring, Brass Ring had newspapers behind it. So the newspapers were, they had Excel partners out of Silicon Valley, very small stake, but over a hundred million came in from the Washington Post The Tribune companies, Gannett Newspapers, which is USA Today. So newspapers were hedging their bets against, you know, the classified business was starting to dwindle. They were looking at how that was going to go online. They also created an advertising network, which Knight Ritter became a part of which is where Career Builder grew out of, which is also where Dan Finnegan came out of that Knight Ritter group. So you've got like different camps from the late 90s like the Post, Tribune camp, and then the Knight Ritter camp, and then a few big brands that came out of that that were all different. In some cases, the same newspapers in, in, in different investing groups that were putting their chips on the table, sort of hedging their bets based on what, they were expecting to see with changes and impact on their classified ad revenue. They didn't do any of it fast enough or go hard enough, in, as we've all seen, but that's an interesting subplot to the whole the whole thing as well.
0: And with your unique perspective of seeing these uh, people moving from place to place and companies evolving, it, it makes sense that you would be working in a niche now, which is. You know, a great networker and a, a place where the industry meets. And I think your story is one that can serve as inspiration for people who end up in recruitment and think that, I don't want to be interviewing people the rest of my life, or you know, <laughs> uh, I don't want to be doing the same thing over and over again. And yeah, you can move into technology, you can move into sales, you can move into media. It touches a lot of things and it prepares you for, for a rich career. And and if you stick around long enough, then you you can see
1: the same faces over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> good, good point. You know, I, I used to think that that it was just my great timing that I, you know, and of course there was some of that. I entered the space, and the internet was emerging, and the web emerged, and on demand, you know, cloud-based technologies emerged, and I'm passionate about technology. I, I've so. I was in the right place at the right time. And the other thing that's true is that I think the, the profession has evolved and emerged and what technology has done and what you know, changes that all businesses have experienced is it really demonstrates how I think recruiting can really have a massive impact And I think if you look beyond the matches that you're making and the interviews that you're scheduling, and if you sort of step back and think about the impact you can have on the business, and if you pursue that internally in your current role or in your career moving to the next role, there are a lot of places to go with that. If you can see the impact that recruiting and recruitment technology and talent acquisition can have on the market and on any given employer. I think that's another thing that I was there to see was sort of how this all, you know, has unfolded. And I've been lucky to watch. It's so important to go back to that feeling of,
0: I'm helping people get a job and you know, good year, bad year, and you know, God knows 2020 wasn't a great year, but, there's still a list of the industry and our people to, to think I'm going to help uh, somebody you know, get their next game. Yeah. I guess that's why when you go network with people who have been in the industry for 20 years, they're nice folks to be around because they have, they have purpose in their career. Yeah. And I hope for the listeners who are in the early stages of their career, they can see that it's not that easy to find purpose. Uh, that once you have it, you should hold on to it.
1: Yeah, good point. To wrap
0: it up, I'd like to uh, give you a chance to maybe uh, promote some of your upcoming events, uh, perhaps with Unleash or tell people how to get a hold of you.
1: Well, you can find Unleash at unleashgroup.io and you'll find me there and the HR wins was my previous brand. It's still there. There's still content there, reports there. Unleash is really for the foreseeable future. It's all about media and content. So everything's there. So the content about recruiting, about recruiting technology and the rest of the employee experience and HR spectrum is there as well. So I would encourage people to go take a look and I'm sure they'll find something interesting if they're listening to this podcast.
0: Absolutely. I, I go there myself. George interviews some of the industry leaders and has unique data on how, how the market is changing. So if you want to be ahead of the curve and know what's going to hit you a year or two from now, that's the place to <laughs> place to go uh, check it out. Thanks so much, George, for joining us and for reminiscing with me on the old day. <laughs> I I am actually quite... Happy to know that there's now a record of those souvenirs about the Boston era, and it's you know foundational importance to the world of TA Tech. Uh, saved on our on our blog.
1: Excellent. Thanks for having me. I had a lot of fun. All right.
0: I hope you enjoyed my interview of George Larock as much as I did. George is a real historian of the towns acquisition tech space and from the evolution and meanderings of the industry we can all get inspiration to constantly reinvent ourselves and and renew our industry if you enjoyed it and you're up for more subscribe to our podcast and please share with friends